When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our focus this week on the OC Office Hour is find a way to get a first down and looking at some of the hidden yardage and third down and some strategies and things we can do to put our offense at an advantage when truthfully they have some disadvantages. And joining me to discuss all of this is tight end coach at the XFL Vegas team, Charlie Eager. Charlie, it's great to have you here on the podcast again. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate it. And I always look forward to our, our conversation. So, Coach... This is one I think that teams go through, some of them for a season or several, some of them for a game. I was mentioning to you before we started, right, that we had to adopt some of the strategies we're going to talk about here when I was at BW and we play Mount Union, a team that just had some superior talents. But there's a lot of things when you look at this and finding a way to get a first down that I think if we're caught in, this is the traditional way to do it. We miss some opportunities. We miss hidden yardage that maybe don't win on a particular series, but over the course of the game can actually set us up to be in a position to win when the game's on the line. Yes, you come throughout a course of a game and and you you sit down, you game plan as a coach, right? And before you get into the game, you're you're looking at how, you know, how can I create matchups? How can I be efficient on third downs? How can I do, you know, all, all these things we need to do to be successful. And it's great when you know, you can win the matchup, right? It, you know when you have an advantage. But when you don't have the advantage, when you're, you might have a young offensive line, you might have a, a younger quarterback, you might have a new group of guys that come together, you know, there's going to be situations and times where you, you don't match up. And, you know, you have to find a way to convert. You have to find a way to stay competitive. You have to find a way to move the ball. But you also got to find a way to protect your quarterback, right? So I think as you, as you look at football, as a whole, it doesn't really matter what level you're at, right? So, you know, I've been blessed. I've been coaching Division Three, Division Two, FCS. And had a chance to coach in the Canadian Football League. So at every level, these issues don't change, right? They they, they show up everywhere, you know, um, whether you're a high school coach or not. And you kind of got to have some sort of plan of how do we continue to make this look like football? As a, as a guy I used to work for, I used to say all the time, you got to continue to make it look like football. So as I'm watching the games this weekend and – you know, you're going through starting on Thursday and you're going through the whole weekend. You find some some interest, interesting scenarios. You know, you get some teams that are really struggling to to move the chains on third down, more so because of a matchup issue. You know, it's not play calling. It's not not having the right personnel on the field. But it's how do you find a way when your young tackle is just getting beat? You know, uh, he's, he's struggling to protect. They have two pass rushers. You got an inside guy and an outside guy. Where do you pick your double? Like, how do you handle that matchup? You know, because it's it's just, it's causing lost yards. And one of the things you, you start to look at on third down, and I, I've definitely, as a coordinator, fallen into this trap where it's third and seven, third and 10, and you're trying to pick up these con- conversions, right? Oh, I got to get this first down. I got to call this intermediate route concept. I got to get the ball 
to the change, right? You hear it all the time. Announcers on, on TV saying, oh, you know, they got to get to the sticks. They got to get to the sticks. Well, sometimes you, you just don't have to get to the sticks. And I'm going to explain a, a little bit what I mean by that here is, you know, on third downs, and let's say you got third and, you know, third and six or, or third and seven to go, and you've given up three or four sacks. You're struggling up front. Um, yes, this, you can chip protect. You can bring a, a tight end over to help to double the defensive end. But if you had interior issues, so you got to double, you got to find a way to double the interior guy. You got to find a, a way to double the, you know, the, the edge rusher. What happens to your pass concepts, right? Now you're reduced to two man and uh, concepts and protecting doesn't become conducive to converting the first down. So you say, all right, well now I'm going to max drop. So guys are looking to take a max drop with a six man protection on third and sevens, third and eights, third and tens, right? Well, you they still can't pick it up. So quarterbacks are taking hits and now you're getting sacked and it's an eight yard loss, nine yard loss, 10 yard loss. All right. And your quarterback's taking a shot and the confidence of your offensive line is just starting to diminish. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the mindset has to become, well, how do we eliminate the hit on the quarterback, the morale, of the offensive line and finding a way to, to get that first down. And I think one of the, one of the first answers you have is, you got to be able to run a screen, throw a quick game throw, be confident, even though it's third and eight, let's say, right? And uh, a quick game route, slant, hitch, whatever the matchup you can create, a perimeter screen that you can create favorably that you've seen on film, but it's not going to be the sticks, as everybody likes to call it. Give them an opportunity to pick up six or seven yards. Maybe they might be a yard short or two yards short. And you say, well, Oh, but you're not converting the third down conversion. But let me let's just think about this. If we can pick up on a, a third and eight, right? We pick up six six yards. So you go from third and eight, you get six, you you short. So you get six yard gain there. So if you take that six yard gain and he gets tackled, right, and you eliminate the sack. So that sack could have been eight yards. So now you're talking about a fourteen yard swing in terms of field position, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it's okay. Your punter can be a weapon, you know, and now you can't live by that philosophy on every single third down, but there's a, there's gotta be a feel as a coordinator. There's, there's been times when I've looked out, like my, my tackle can't handle this guy. Our guard struggles here. How can I not put them in a bind? Let's get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. So he doesn't take another hit. Let's build the confidence in the O-line that it wasn't another sack. And they're looking back to pick up their quarterback Okay, and let's win the hidden yard battle. So if you look at a couple of the games that, you know, we've seen this weekend and it started on Thursday night and it ran through Sunday where there's six or seven sacks in a game. Okay, if you can take three of those and use this principle of let, let's just get something back. Let's let's get that six or seven yards. If the skill guy can break that tackle, which we pay him a lot of money to do. Right. If you can do it, you got a chance. Right. But if not that 14 or 15 yard swing on three of those third down calls, right? You eliminated three hits on the quarterback. You eliminated confidence issues of the O line. And now that's 45 yards of hidden yards on third down by using your punter as a weapon, you know? And I think it's sometimes it's not always easy. I know it's an offensive play caller. Uh, you you want to be successful. You want to convert. You want to make the big play. You want to, you want that. That's, that's in your nature. You're scheming to do that. That's your job. But sometimes clock management, hitting yards is just more important, you know. You know, you, uh, you had 
Coach uh, Jamie Alzando on a couple uh, a couple shows ago, and he talked about all situational football, and this is it. This is another version right. of that, but it's so important. And you just you don't think about it until the game's over, and then you start counting the yards, and you say, well, that 15 yards. So instead of punting from my my 30, now we're back, and I'm I'm punting from my 15 yard line. That's a difference on where the defense has to start. So we didn't convert, but we could help our defense and push them back. Sometimes when you're looking out there, we always want to be optimistic about being able to overcome the underdog, you know, be the underdog that wins the battle. But sometimes we have to be the smart one. You know, we have to just say, you know what, we're not winning this battle. Let's help the defense and and play it again. You know, let's take the ball again. Yeah. A couple important points there too. And you think about that type of of strategy. One, this is, you're taking a big picture approach instead of just saying, you know, we've got to win this down and keep this series moving. You're looking at, all right, big picture, maintaining field position, maintaining the confidence of, of your players to do something as the game goes on. If you can get them to a position, if you're the underdog, get them to a position in the game where it's close and you have the opportunity to win. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen in those situations to get you to the finish line and, and, and win the game, right? So it's the mentality of you know pr- preserving your uh, opportunity to punt and maintain field position. But I think the other thing it does too, when you think about that team who knows when they have you third and long and they're pinning their ears back every time they get that situation, if the first few times you're not in that drop back, get your five-step drop and throw it the intermediate routes, those guys start to not pin their ears back. And now you have an opportunity maybe later in the game when you do need to convert those to win those situations. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's imperative that, that you, like you said, you do that because you, you need to change the way the defense feels, right? And that's always, which is kind of going to lead me into the next thing we're talking about a little bit. And, you know, how do you make them uncomfortable? Right. How, how do we not allow them just to pin their ears back? You know, and I think some of the answers that you've seen and then if you watch the Bills, I mean, we all would love to have a Josh Allen because he gives you that huge advantage where you can run the quarterback. He's got the ability to throw the ball. He's got the ability to run the football. He's just a dynamic person back there. O-line's pretty good, you know, so he's you're the best of both worlds there. But not everybody has that. What do you do when your quarterback's not mobile? You know, what do you do when that O-line maybe isn't as doesn't have the same cohesion that other um O-lines might, you know, there might be a bunch of free agents you brought together. They might be freshmen in, in college that have to play. They might, you know, they might be a young sophomore in high school that all of a sudden got bumped up to varsity. What do you do, you know, when maybe you're not as talented at, or ready, I shouldn't say talented, but ready to play at those positions or, or have those skill sets necessary? I think one of the first things you need to do, if you look across the NFL, and I think one of the teams that does it phenomenal is, is the San Francisco 49ers, is you have to find a way to get your receivers involved in the run game. I think misdirection is always a part of it, you know, and, and everybody's used to the split flow, jet sweep stuff. But how else can you get them involved in your gap runs? How else can you not necessarily have a, a 21 personnel two back because that the other end of it is when you're struggling on third mediums and you get in these scenarios where you want to run the football, but you, you have to bring an extra tight end in, or that doesn't always benefit you, right? Cause it loads the box and that mm-hmm. guy's lined up across from your lineman still physically winning the battle, right? So how do I find a way to lighten the box, but yet 
use some misdirection or distraction. And, and a good way to always do that is to get the receivers involved in the run game. Can you run a receiver counter? Can you, you know, off of a, a sprint out action? Can you find different ways to bring them into the backfield to enhance the run game to a lighter box? That helps young old linemen or, or, or guys that aren't matching up well in the run game. That helps them tremendously when the box can be lighter. It creates more space. So even if they aren't as successful, that dynamic runner that you're bringing in from an unconventional position to run the football gives you an advantage in space. So I think that's uh, one way you can look to, to combat that third and mediums, or for that matter, calling things on first down that are not conventional to get yourself that three or four yards that's not expected will help you on a shorter third down later on where maybe those shorter throws or screens can convert where you're not finishing yourself up in third and eights, third and nines, third and tens. You know, one of the other things I thought, which is, is pretty unique, is finding a way to, to kind of do what you do, sell the actions that you're known for. If you're an inside zone team, can you sell the inside zone with a misdirection motion behind the quarterback, which becomes some type of perimeter screen on one side, and let that run action sell itself and then become a slow screen where you have uh, you sell the run, you hold the box tight, you give the quarterback an opportunity to play the perimeter or then come back to that slow screen. If you look back at the Patriots a couple of years ago, they were pretty dynamic doing that. It's a great way to just continuously give unconventional, uncomfortable looks to a defense. Make them play a, a run read, a screen read, and then a slow screen read the other way all in one play. You're banking on trying to create a matchup or uh, a mistake, really, mm -hmm. ultimately in a fit, a reaction. So finding different ways of taking plays that you have, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a, in a little bit of a practice setup in a minute, but just do what you do already and find a way to bring them together just to create unconfident look for a defense where they just can't read and react, you know, where they just can't fly to one key and be successful. Just another quick thought on, on being able to give yourself an advantage. It's using some unconventional things, but keeping it within the framework of, of what you do. It's not, okay, this week we're going to scheme up all these different answers of things we don't do. It's figuring out how do we use the things we do to be able to solve this particular problem, right? So it, it might be bringing, you know, bring that run or a receiver in, in motion, finding him a way to get the football. And I would suggest, and we're going to get into practice here, I mean, you certainly need to consider what's the time that these things take. And I think there's some things that get pretty expensive as far as time, and then there's some things that are, are relatively easy. Uh, for example, you know, the difference between running misdirection with jet or fly motion as opposed to running misdirection with, you know, orbit motion with a guy coming behind where you don't necessarily have that timing of the snap that's as uh, needs to be as fine tuned as the other. Right. So thinking about those kinds of things, if it's not already in your repertoire to do it. And as you said, I, I think looking at practice structure to work these kinds of things, too. Right. We work our third down periods. But as an example, if we're working uh, quick game, you know, throwing underneath the sticks as a way to, to get it with a run after catch. How does the mentality change for your players there? Guys, you know, we don't need you to make a juke move to get eight extra yards. We need you to 
catch the ball, turn and, and puncture the defense and fall forward to get us three more and get across that across the sticks, right? It's it's all those things. And I think if you're not coaching those, you run into situations of your players maybe doing things they don't want. I could think of specifically an example. We're running a stick route. You know, we, we would call it a four, five, six out because we're, you know, at, at our, our fourth step, we're rolling into our sixth. And, uh, you know, that would take us to about six yards. And I think we had a third and seven on a particular play. And so our receiver took it upon himself to run an extra yard to the sticks. And now the ball is thrown and he's not where he's supposed to be. The quarterback's throwing on timing. That guy takes the extra step. And now we're not complete. So it's, it is really helping them understand too, like guys, this is a strategy that relies on you during doing certain things. So I'm excited to get into those parts of it, coach, but any thoughts on, you know, some of those things that I mentioned there? Yeah, no, I, I think that's, it's critical. Right. And, you know, I, I think some of the things you can do as a coordinator is always term some opportunities or some routes where, you know, they want sticks. Right. So you're going to say, hey, we have a certain code word that says we are going to take the route to this depth. Like you have to get to the stick. But if it, that code word isn't put in there, then you are running the true depth of the route. Right. Because everything's predicated, especially in quick game. Right. You, you talk about your quarterback having a definitive read on the side. You talk about the stem of the receivers are so important to the leverage of the defender that they're running off of. Do they run a slant down the midline of the corner? That's you know, you got to protect the quarterback. So if you decide to change the depth of what you're running that route at and your stem isn't where it needs to be, you're putting yourself in a situation for a pick or something, you know, that that's definitely not going to allow you to be successful. I think when you practice, you have to have your your values and, and, and what's deemed perfect in, in your world communicated with your players at all times. And it doesn't deviate from that based off of yardage or time left on the clock. You have to build your system into which there's a constant. When you start getting variations of the constant for a specific route or timing of the throw of that route or the footwork of the quarterback gets disrupted, I think you're asking for, for problems. So I, I think it's real, real important that you go the other route. Just like you said, you run that stick route and you might, it might be the route itself might fall yards short, but we can coach and, and get coach Franklin on. I, I love his perfect drill. You know, you look into the talk, you tight turn and you get vertical. You, you coach tight turn. You coach how to work and turn away from the defender. After you catch the football, feel the defender on your back, coach the details of that route so that they have a chance to run through that. You know, they have a chance to, to, to convert or let the, let their true skill set from practice, repetitive practice, great repetitive, perfect practice prevail. Right. right. So you, you don't have to to, to deviate because then like once, like you just said, if that route drifts a little bit, then the quarterback footwork is off and then the timing is off. The release is late. You know, it, there's a whole world of of, uh, of a mess that's going to happen if, if you don't stay true to, true to your constant. So one of the things, you know, when you start talking about that is not only can you run your the things you do every day just before we get into the whole practice part of it is I I think you can get yourselves into better situations to execute that. If you learn to use some, you know, what I would call broken sets, odd formations, not necessarily that, you know, people think you get into um, a a broken set, you split the O line, you walk out their splits or you're, you go to a quad diamond look or that you got to throw the home run. 
that you're looking for the touchdown play on the on the the trick play. Sometimes, uh, to be honest with you, I'd, I'd line up in, in unconventional broken sets, just the guard center, tight end, and then have everybody else split out outside the hashes, and then just bring them back in to run inside zone. Make the defense a, a, adjust. Let them be uncomfortable. Make them check out of their call to the broken set, then recheck back into a call they need when, it come, when the formation comes back, and then r- run a base play. You don't necessarily have to have a special play but use some of these different looks, getting into a three-by-two set, shifting to an unbalanced set, finding a way to make them uncomfortable to give you opportunities to execute stick. Get yourself back into a play. Every defensive coordinator, and there's some really, really good ones out there, they kind of seem to have an answer for everything, which is a little frustrating at times. But when I kind of get myself in that situation where I feel like, man, this guy's just really got a beat on what we're doing, you know, we might just line up, call, you know, get into a two-by-two two set and take our guard and tackle and walk them outside the hash and put the slot behind them and give us a screen possibility and a check and see what they do. And if they don't, we just quarterback just brings them back in and then we run our play. Just make people uncomfortable, but yet find a way that goes back to our original t- conversation was don't let the defense pin their ears back. Don't let them come flying off the ball. Don't let them be comfortable in that third and six scenario third and seven scenario give yourself a chance without coming up with a new play of the week without trying to scheme something up on the sideline do what you do but just make them uncomfortable to give yourself a little bit of an advantage I love that idea I, I remember Andrew Coverdale is offensive coordinator here at CNX in Ohio just a tremendous offensive coordinator at one point had talked about a strategy like that you know, with moving moving a guy out, uh, whether it was his tailback or like, you know, a lot of different things you can do. And he related it to an inbounds play in basketball. It's like, you know, you, you're, you're going to start with that idea, hey, we're going to run this inbound play. But if it's not there, then we come back into and we run whatever else we have, have called there. I think it's simple in the way that it's a yes or no, right? You can control it on the sidelines, certainly as a coach. You don't have to leave that on your player in those situations and get back to something that, you do again and again. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's about us trying to create that advantage and then yet having a safe control environment, right? And that, that's what it comes back to being able to execute and, and give getting yourself back in a position to have some advantage. Yeah. So getting into the practice side of things then, Coach, I know that's something that is very important to this is how do you practice this stuff? Right. And I think that first off it has to come down – to your head coach, right? You have to, your head coach and the offensive coordinator have to understand each other and what they need to be successful. I've been blessed. The guys that I've worked with and worked for have been very conducive to shifting practice, allowing a, a block of time to come together so we can have what we call a natural progression. So many great coaches out there. This is a business of you, you know, you beg, borrow, and steal from, from other people. You're constantly learning, right? Because if you, if you stop learning, then you're just kind of dead in this business. And so you're always out looking for different ways to be successful. And I thought one of the things that um, Coach Franklin always does, and again, I bring it back up because he was on the show, circuits. Like he, he does a great job with maximizing time. Like, and it made me think, like, how, how do you get yourself into a, a five-minute period where um, whether it's, it's pat and go where you can work on your, your actual skill, like your coaches can, can coach the details of what you're doing or you get yourself into a scenario where um, I love a screen circuit that we've done, right? So a screen circuit gets us where we have literally O-line goes to the, to the, to the end zone. 
they work on their releases of the screens for the day. So every practice that we have, we have a five-minute block of screen drill. The O-line gets to work on their two screens that we're focusing on the day, their releases. So the O-line coach sets the front, whether it's garbage cans, whether it's bodies, just depending on who you have and depth-wise, you know, at the O-line spot. But they're we're releasing on their screens versus different fronts running to their landmarks. Their, their bags are set up to where they need to go. So that's happening in the end zone. Well, that's happening. You know, we have our slow-release screen to our tailback at Station 1. Then we have our bubble screen happening to the boundary at Station 2. Then we have our outside screen happening to our receiver at Station 4, right? So you go one, two, three, four down the side, and then you come back the other way, and you work your throws to the field. You know, we have our bubble screen to number 3, then Station bubble screen to number 2 to the field. So the, the, distance, the distances vary, right, on each one of those throws because they're a different throw. So what we do is we create those stations, and we for that five minutes, we drill, and we get our guys going through so the quarterbacks can continuously make every single throw that we need to make in the screen game every day. And if you take that five-minute block and you have, you know, the depending on the bodies that you have, you have six to eight stations going, then you have an opportunity to get 70 screen throws in. Now, that's a lot of practice in five minutes. So I think you have to find a way to be creative if you're going to be a big screen team, which is typically what has to happen when you're not great up front. you got to find different ways to practice all those throws. And I think that also gives the receivers a, a confidence level of this is where I line up. It's a big difference if you've got two receiver set to the field to throw from the hash or if you're a three-receiver set and throwing it to number one, so I don't know, tunnel screen, like all that stuff matters. It all changes for the quarterback, right? It changes the receiver. They have to have the opportunity to, to feel that, to do that. And repetition's important. The amount of opportunity that you have to do that is, is big. So if you think about that, we have that one period, it's five minutes a day, where we get to focus the O-line picks, like the two screens of the day, they're focused on their releases because it matters to them. There's a tackle out. Well, I got a three technique. All right, well, the guard can't get out first. The center's got to go first. How do I make that adjustment? That all has to be practiced. One thing to, to throw it up on the board, it's another thing in real life to feel. What happens if that three technique pirates? Well, then the guard's still first man out. Like they have to have that opportunity to get out and, and, and execute. In this the circuit world, whether it's on screens or it's for pat and go or – you can you can take the skills of the day that you need and you can put them into a five-minute period and you block that period for the week. So some of the things we had looked at is we always block for the natural progression of the O-line first. And I think when you, when you start talking about practice and you start talking about the success of the team and building confidence up front with a young group or group of guys coming together is giving the O-line guy enough time to do his everyday drills his single blocks, his combo blocks, then get into his half line. It's got to be a natural progression so they can work through the different looks that they're going to see, right? And as that's going on, how do you maximize your, your skills, right? So we would always go with our quarterbacks, receivers, tailbacks, getting through their first 10 minutes of Indy doing their everyday drills that they need to do. And then as the O-line progresses into their half line world where they're working on their skills that they need to perfect for the, the run game, that's where we still time to make our throws in the quick game. So every single day we practice our quick game throws every day. So we have our three quick game throws that we were looking at on day one, day two, and day three. So we're covering all our throws every day, quarterbacks, receivers, so that they're, they're constantly getting uh, the feel, rhythm, timing, and reps of what we need to be successful. I think you can block the progression of the O-line so they can get 
what they need to get done, and then you can get through the skill throws of the quick game. And I think so many, so many coaches, we overlook the value of repetitive throwing slant, and then we'll call the slant when we need it, and the stem isn't correct to the receiver. The time is off for the quarterback. We don't understand. We're running two, uh, double slants, and our inside receiver does not cancel the read key. Right, he runs right at him, or he pushes too vertical, or he's more inside doesn't open the window by the stem of the slant. All that stuff matters, and you got to have a, an opportunity and time to coach it. So we we take a a, a bunch of time. Uh, I, I say that, and, and you know, we look at you know a ten minute block of time every day that we we become confident in all those throws, especially in the world of the RPOs today, right? So all those throws become part of the run game as well as as they are just the traditional quick game throw. So I think that's super important, you know, Keith. And then I, I think the one, one last thing that we, we do practice wise is once we've, we've gone through the natural progression for the O line and they get into their pass pro work the same way as they're working their pass pro work, our receivers and tailbacks and tight ends and quarterbacks come together and we work what we call concept teach. Okay, so we have our main concepts, past concepts that we run throughout the year, right? And we don't deviate from what we do. We install it. We take our time. We coach the details to it. Now, we might call, we might make a tag from week to week, but we don't draw up new plays, right? So for us, it's very, very important that we create what we call the concept teach period where we give the quarterback, the receivers, their half line look and we go through a read a two high look a one high look uh no high look first man and then within those shells we change the coverages up so the guys get to rep that play over and over again against the different reactions that they can see and day one might have these four concepts that we look at right and then day two has these four and then day three has those four so we have our 12 cons that we're constantly drilling where there's a rotational read. So the quarterback's eyes are getting learned to train, okay, what's my shell? What's my reaction? You know, and how everybody's supposed to react to that. You know, we control the environment. We teach the environment. We teach the details to it. We just don't run out there and throw. We're very specific. Hey, it's a too high shell. This is what we're we're talking about, Uh, a combo coverage here. You got quarter halves, right, or they're playing half to the boundary, quarters to the steel. This is the reaction. This is what we're looking for. And we concept teach that. And we give them the actual reads and the feel that we do. And I think that's the most important thing we do in the pass game as a whole. And that, again, you're looking at another 15-minute block. So as you look through it, yeah, you need a 30-minute block in the beginning of practice to be successful. All right? And I, I think, you know, your special teams will fall in there. All right? But that having your – your your actual flow of practice be a natural progression for everybody before you start running plays because you know i've been at the pro level and we've gone out there we expect these guys to just understand how to handle these scenarios and we run we go out we run plays and we run them with the the tempo we're trying to get the timing but they don't know how to react to the different situations and we teach it on film but we never ever ever get them out there Tell them that this is, you know, in film, in film, you're teaching the drill in film. You're showing them why you're doing this. So you can get out there. You can get your reps, and you're coaching the details of angles, stems, finish points, so they can handle those adjustments. And I think if you can block practice that way, okay, 
and you, you have success, then you get into your crossover periods, which we talk about now, it's easier for you to say, okay, we have one more period every day. This period is our, you know, misdirection, special play, special formation. And those things all build in that next five minute period is what we're talking about. So those guys in circuit, they've already went through five minutes of circuit. The old line knows all their screen releases. The receivers know how to run it. We've already did half line run, right? So we've gone through that stuff. So now when we get in that five minute block, so if I call inside zone left, with motion behind and the screen right, okay, into a slow screen. Like that's all been drilled already. So now you now in that period you're just you're looking at timing. And we, we do that period every day. So you, you start to, to block it off where you get a little bit of circuit work, but everything's built off that initial natural progression. There's a lot there I wanna hit on before we wrap this up. Number one, that cumulative effect of reps you're you're doing these things again and again with consistency over the course of the season coaching those up when we're talking about these find a way to get a first down right a lot of these you mentioned you know doing some things to get the matchup you want and if this is a strategy that we have to use throughout a season uh, eventually we'll develop some tendencies on it so maybe that go-to guy on a certain route and you know by the third game you're, you're doing some of this stuff now they know, and they're probably going to scheme something up to stop that. But as you go over the course of the season, you start to find these other guys are, are getting pretty good at it too. And now that guy uh, who's getting schemed up can become a decoy and open somebody else up for their one-on-one to do a, do a certain route or a quick game or whatever it might be. That, that's the, the power of the consistency of getting your reps again and again in a way that allows you to do more than, hey, we ran this five times in team, right? That, like you said, we're going to get 70 throws in this period. That's Those are amazing reps. So, of course, everything has to be coached. And um, I'll put a link to Coach Franklin talking about perfect drill. I think it was a couple years ago. And just the detail when he's talking about perfect drill and how that's run, I mean, is, is a template for this is how you coach a certain drill. Uh, the other thing I thought of, you know, just strategy-wise in some of these situations, you know, if you get into uh, talking about maybe a line that's mismatched, whatever, you get into some third and shorts um, or even some of these that are, are longer distance, a, a couple strategies come to mind that I've written some articles about, and I'll link those in the show notes as well. Uh, but one of those being, you know, moving that third and short or even fourth and short, or even goal line dive play, right, where you have to get a few feet, but you probably, maybe you're mismatched and they're going to invert you, moving it out to the side, right, and throwing, yep. you know, a lot of teams do it, Patriots would do it forever with, with Edelman, where he just starts outside, and you take the dive play to two other receivers inside of him who are going to block, and he's essentially got to beat, you know, the other guy to the goal line. Now, the the beauty of that particular play, and I'm talking about, you know, a receiver will be outside, he'll motion in and catch the ball at the point where he's splitting two receivers who aren't, you know, necessarily, uh, they don't necessarily have to be that far apart because you want that other guy to have to kind of bubble over the top and essentially be at level two depth. So when your guy catches the ball, he's headed straight ahead and you know, it's a high probability that he his momentum is going to take him into the end zone. So I think that's another way of looking at a short yardage strategy that, you know, takes the maybe it's not going to be as efficient for you running that inside. Right. Maybe in, in four, four times you might get that once 
out there giving it to a certain guy where you've coached him up to catch the ball and get straight ahead and run that dive play on the outside, I think is a, a strategy that helps. The other one that comes to mind is, uh, I think the article I just titled a, a third down, no progression read where you're running like a shallow screen, right? That guy's getting behind the line of scrimmage. There's no keys for a screen going because your line just protects. You have a good, quick, hot throw to this shallow runner who's going yep. right down the line behind him. And then you get all these blocks out on the edge with your receivers. So it's a, it's one of those chances you're throwing the ball zero yards downfield, maybe a minus one downfield, yet you're counting on the space that's being opened up by your receivers to allow him to get the first down. Now, you can't make a living on it all the time, but again, what are we talking about here? You know, in, in your scenario, you know, three of those six having a chance that we're not taking a loss and, and losing those hidden yards. Absolutely, and uh, that's that's the key, just, is just being creative, creating some space, you know, making them uncomfortable, but yet not giving yourself an opportunity to, to not take another hit on the quarterback to not lose those 15 yards that are going to be hidden throughout the, the game and, and, and just try to keep, you know, morale, right? I think state of mind is everything, right? If you guys feel good, if they're constantly looking back and, they, you know, everybody's beating them down because they can't convert on the third down, it just tanks them. Give them a chance to feel good. Give them a chance to maybe take a little pressure off of them. Let, let your skill guys touch the ball a little more. You know, sometimes, the, the you know, the receivers are always willing to catch the ball on the perimeter, right? So... I think that gives you a chance to, to get everybody involved and, and change the mindset from a negative mindset and, you know, redirect the energy to a positive state and, and, and protect your team as you move forward. Coach, some incredible ideas here. I love the topic today. I love the ideas you shared and how you broke it down. I appreciate you taking the time thinking about this and putting it together for us. And certainly would love to have you back again on the podcast in the future to talk about some more ideas in this game so again thank you for your time and good luck to you as you head into your first xfl season thanks keith i appreciate it it was a pleasure